What's up, world? Episode 7 of Metal to the Masses podcast. I'm your host, Alex Uslar. This week, I got to sit down with Elliot Morrow, a.k.a. Diablito. You guys might not know who he is, but I was so excited to have him on the podcast because I am a huge, huge, huge fan of his band. I only heard them for the first time, uh, you know, less than a year ago, but instantly I was hooked. I was in love. It's funny. I posted them on my Instagram and then he reached out to me and I found that that he was a fellow lifter. And, uh, you know, we've we've stayed in contact through social media over that time. And I thought he'd be a cool person to have on. So we talk a bit about his band Gulch, who has a huge cult following in the underground music scene. We talk about him getting into powerlifting um, not too long ago his style of training, his interest in multiply, and uh, him him growing up in the punk and hardcore scene. So uh, it was a fun episode. Again, combining lifting and combining music. I hope you guys enjoy this episode of Metal to the Masses. All right. I am joined right now with Elliot Morrow. Did I say that right? Morrow? Morrow? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like tomorrow without the T.O. Love it. Singer of Gulch. All right. If you guys haven't heard Gulch, it's funny because the way that me and Elliot got connected is I've been so far removed from the hardcore scene for quite a few years and uh, somehow your guy's name popped up and I don't usually listen to bands. Everyone's like, oh, go listen to this band, go listen to this band. I'm like, no, I don't want to. And I happen to listen to you guys. I'm like, holy shit, this is the best thing that I have heard in I don't even know how long. And I just post it on my story, and you're like, thanks, dude. I'm glad you like it. And I'm like, I go follow you. I'm like, holy shit, here's the singer of this band that I just that I just fucking fell in love with, and he happens to powerlift. So that's a quick backstory on how me and Elliot got connected. And uh, yeah, Elliot, just give you give yourself a quick intro besides that intro that I just gave you. Um, yeah, I'm Elliot and I play in gold and I like powerlift and I am a carpenter. I mean, that's pretty basic stuff for me there. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. What, what, what kind of carpentry do you do? So I work for a company out here in San Francisco. We do custom homes, uh, remodels and all that stuff. So, I mean, mostly high end stuff. We do a lot of like, um, I don't know, just like nicer nicer neighborhood stuff elevators in in the houses and all that shit pretty oh, fancy but hell fun, yeah fun work hell yeah so i'm gonna fly you out to miami when i want to do some renovations to my house got it we'll lift and we'll there we uh, go. <laughs> hell yeah hell yeah that's very cool so that's that's like a, a huge uh thing that not a lot of people realize a lot of the people who i've interviewed and have been on my show so far you know that have a music involvement or have been in bands it, it's pretty hard in what we do like it's it's not necessarily a full-time job uh like the last episode i did with james we didn't get to talk too much about his career but he's a teacher and i wanted you know to touch on that a bit more but we got so tra- sidetracked with other things but um so you you have a regular full-time job and you manage the band um, as well with that. Um, how, how active are you guys with touring and stuff like that? So, I mean, Gulch is pretty laid back, which is nice. Um, we rarely ever practice. I mean, I think we've had our first practice in over two and a half something years because, I mean, we haven't played together, obviously, because of shutdown. But, I mean, even before then, we never practiced. I mean, we just kind of, like, live shows would kind of be when we'd retouch all the material. So, 
how did how, 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 how was your guys writing process again. if you guys didn't practice I mean, how did it's, you write it's mainly it's mainly cole the guitar player okay um, and sammy the the drummer I just do the lyrics for this one, honestly. I don't really. I think I wrote like one riff on the the record, um, the first one. But other than that, I mean, I just basically hang out until it's my time to do shit. That that's funny because <laughs> that, cool. that that's always how in my previous bands that I've played in, I I never liked writing with my other bandmates. It was just me on guitar and my drummer, and we just wrote everything. And everyone else, they would just kind of learn and they would pitch in, and I'd be like, "Look, this is this is what you're doing. Write the lyrics after." And that was the way that I wrote best. And it's funny because I'm like trying to get the band back together and do a band again with some of my old bandmates after six years, seven years, whatever it's been. And I had a bunch of my old bandmates. I had a bunch of people who I know. They're like, dude, let's play together. Let's play together. And I just said, no. Like, I want to write a full album first. And once I write a, a, you know, a 10-song album or something like that, then I'll find some other bandmates. <laughs> That's how I am when, when I have to write the stuff. Because I play guitar in a band called Spinebreaker. It's like a death metal band. So I used to write everything for that. And then just would like demo out drums and show the drummer because I mean, everybody was just down for whatever. So it just made it easy for me to sit at home and knock it out that way. Yeah. You know, it's hard to organize practice with everybody out here. Everybody's like so far away or like just busy. So it just worked out that way with that other band. Dude, I don't, I don't know why you just saying you played in a death metal band. It just made this pop into my head. Cause I saw this recently. Have you ever seen this TV show called atypical? Yeah. Okay. So, the kid who he, he's he he plays an autistic character on the show, right? So I was watching it, and I'm like, yeah, "Oh, the homie, are you okay?" So you know, that's hilarious, dude. I had no idea. I figured I thought he was probably from around yeah. your neck of the woods. And I looked, me and my wife looked him up like a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, I wonder if this guy's actually like autistic. He plays this character very well. And I'm like reading his bio, and I see that he plays in a fucking death metal band and a grindcore band. And I'm like, what the fuck? That's hilarious. And I thought it was from your neck of the woods. Yeah, we've actually played with them in Fresno. There, I think so. I think he lives in LA right now. But uh, we played a show with uh, his band in Fresno, and he actually went to one of our shows in LA. I think like two years ago. He's actually really cool. Um, there's, it's funny every so often, like a picture of him with a gold shirt on, and like when he's on set or something, pops up on on Twitter, and people like always tag me, and I'm like, yeah, I know, like that. You know, I've met the dude. He talks to our guitar player all the time. He's just, he's just a normal ass dude that happens to be an actor. But yeah, I know for for sure, for sure. It's just, it's just so trippy because like the character that he plays and seeing him on that show and me not knowing that. And I've been watching the show for three years as long as it's been on TV. Like I I want one a a dude who I grew up with, um, who played in a band down here called Thick as Blood. Gino Vento, he's been on Bloodline and been on Mayans, but those are like gangster ass shows. He's he's a fucking dude tattooed up to his neck and shit. It makes sense, you know. I see this yeah. sweet little dude, and then me and my wife started watching videos, and I was like, holy shit, this is just blowing my mind. It's funny, dude. He's in a he's in a Gate Creeper music video too, I think. Sick. I think they got him in in one of the videos. It's pretty funny. 
It's hilarious, man. So, Metal to the Masses podcast, you guys know the deal. The way that I like to break it down with a lot of my guests is I like to see what came first. If they got into heavy music first or if they uh, got into heavy lifting first. It seemed to be like the trend for some people is it it started with a sports background um, at an early age. Some people it started with music first, like myself. It was music very, very early on and it wasn't until later that I found lifting. So, Take me back, Elliot. Take me far, far back. What came first? Love for music? Was it sports? Where did it begin? Music for sure. Um, I mean, I got my first guitar when I was like eight years old. And um, I mean, even before that, my mom was into like death rock and goth music and punk. And she actually gave me like some of my first records when I was pretty young. So I had like Fugazi records and like local punk bands. Um, seven inches and all that. So, starting on shows when I was really, really young. And uh, my dad was actually, and my uncle were both powerlifters. They did like APF and um, I forgot what other federations. But so I've always been around that, but music was you know my main interest. I didn't actually start lifting weights until, like, seriously lifting weights until like end of high school after my appendix burst. I came out of the hospital and I was like 100 pounds. So then I just started going crazy and trying to get all that weight back up. Started actually seriously trying to power lift and do all that stuff. So Oh, that's crazy. So your, cool. your, your dad was a competitive power lifter. How, how far back was that? Um, I think this was, this was before I was born. I think after I was born. So late 80s. And then he came back in mid-90s for a bit holy shit that's funny because last last uh, podcast i had, had james from harm's way on and it was the same thing his dad was a power lifter like in the 80s and 90s and that that's so fucking cool to me that you were able to be exposed to it at that early of an age but it's also i find it also pretty interesting that because how powerlifting was back then it's like it did it doesn't necessarily spark an interest even at that early of an age you know because like it required all the gear, right? Like he was competing in gear, multiply this, that, and the other. You're not going to have like your young kid get into that as opposed to like this generation right now where raw powerlifting is so prevalent that like, you know, if my kids saw me powerlifting, the chances are that I would get them into powerlifting at a very early age, 9, 10, 11, 12, whatever it is. But there in the, in the 90s and early 2000s, I guess it was it was pretty different that that wasn't really pushed or exposed to you at all, huh? I think I got into a suit once. It was like right before I stopped. Because once I went to, I think it was when I started going to community college and then working a shit ton, I kind of stopped lifting for a while. So right before then, I actually tried the suit and wraps and all that stuff. And that was like my first exposure to any kind of like geared lifting. But it was just a one and done type thing until now, which now I'm doing it again. I have all the suits and everything, so. Hell yeah. So let, let's. It, it's crazy though, because I, I wouldn't say it wasn't interesting to me then. It's just, I got busy. Yeah. It wasn't a priority, I guess. Of course. Well, let, let's, let's roll it back to being a teenager. So you were, you were exposed to punk music at a, at a pretty, pretty early age. Um, at what point did you find, like, at what point did you start going to like local shows or concerts first? Did you find a local music scene over there? Uh, what point in your life did that kind of come along? I'm trying to think about how young I was. 
I remember I went to Tower Records in San Jose, which isn't there anymore. Um, cool story, actually, Metallica played in the parking lot for that Tower Records in 95, I think. But um, so, yeah, I went, I went there and was just looking for CDs, and um, the cashier handed us, like, a flyer. I guess her band was playing that night at this venue in, in Campbell. And um, so I was just like, all right. So my mom took me, and obviously I was too young to drive. I probably was – it was, like, when I was in elementary school still, maybe fifth grade. Shit. It was just, like, a bunch of random punk bands, so – and ever since then, like middle school on, I was going to shows, taking the light rail and, and bus and all that to downtown. So I remember I was pretty young. It was like 2005. It's probably like when I really started going to hardcore shows. Do you remember what your first hardcore show was? No, not at all. Yeah. Now, I mean, I guess it was like probably such a mesh, especially being over there in California. You were going to those shows at such an early age. None of those bands necessarily even stood out to you, but the punk, you probably were seeing some hardcore bands with those punk bands and stuff like that around that time. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like every weekend there was a show. So it was just like, we would just go just to go. I mean, even if we didn't know the band back then, I mean, I mean, MySpace was like a thing. But it's not like now where you can just look up a band instantly and have everything they ever recorded. Of course. It was like, oh, okay, I know one of these bands. Let's just go. Like, yeah, that's just how it was. That's funny. Do you think that was there a band or a turning point? Since your background was more punk, you, do, you, do you find yourself more drawn to punk music or, or hardcore, like, through your teenage years? So I started with punk, but then I really got into, like, hardcore and, then like, metallic shit and, and all that but i mean right now i mean even now like i still go back to like the more punk stuff like old school hardcore that kind of shit i mean i I do like a lot of newer bands but it's just that certain style for me that's just it always hits home for sure was was there like a, a pivotal a pivotal local band that you saw that really got you like drawn into hardcore specifically or was just an, it was just a natural transition it was kind of like a natural transition. I mean, cause I was listening to like black flag, minor threat, that kind of stuff. And I mean, from there, I mean, you just get agnostic front and crow mags, bad brains and For it sure. just kind of all transitions into each other, which is cool. It shares the same scene for the most part, at least those types of hardcore bands. But I mean, locally I'd say bands like Alcatraz and like my over eyes, they're definitely more heavy at the time for me. So that kind of pushed it to where it is now. And some of the, um, my overrides is actually still around, but Alcatraz, I mean, they'll play randomly. Uh, I don't know about in the last five years, but they've been active on and off. Sick. So middle school started going to hardcore shows pretty heavily. What about like any kind of athletic background? Did you play any sports through this period, like in middle school, high school, or just like straight hardcore kid? I mean, when I was young, I played like I don't know, like little league baseball. I played a little soccer. <laughs> My brother kept going with that. I mean, he was he was actually really serious about. It. I just did it for fun. And then um, I played like a little roller hockey in high school. There was like a complex by my old house that had like indoor soccer and roller hockey. And I used to work at the pizza place inside there, so that's how I kind of just decided to play roller hockey. I was there all the time, anyways. And then I mean just the weightlifting and doing like Muay Thai and fighting stuff. 
pretty much it. So, so you were lifting some weights throughout high school? Yeah, I mean, I did have, like, classes in community college and high school weight rooms and stuff, but it wasn't anything, like, serious. It was just, like, bodybuilding type, you know, programming and all that. For sure. It's funny because it's, like, I was talking to James about this last episode where it's, like, lifting, it wasn't as popular. It was something that people just kind of did, and especially in the hardcore scene, like, you didn't see a lot of really jacked big dudes like at least down here in Miami where I'm from and it, I mean you you and I are probably close to the same age and like James was the only one that we saw like singer of Har- harm's way and we're like oh wow that guy's really big but there's really no one else that's you know stomping around the stage and, and you know obviously very heavily into into working out and I feel like I feel like it's taking a trend you know in the direction of powerlifting has obviously become more mainstream and more and more people in bands and more and more people in the hardcore scene are getting into that world. Even though I'm pretty far, far removed, like it's been almost five years since I've been to any kind of hardcore show at all. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe maybe you see more of that. Have you seen that kind of grow and as you've been still prevalent in the, in the hardcore scene? Yeah, I've definitely seen it. I mean, at least on the internet, it's kind of easier to tell what everybody else is up to all over the place. Agreed. So. Yeah, maybe, agreed. Maybe before I just missed it, but I mean now I, I, I definitely feel like too like the part of it is like as we get older our interests kind of change, like weightlifting and eating healthy or running or you know, what people are kinda of getting into now is like also comes with age. Yeah. You know, how long am I gonna do just going to hardcore shows and and that kind of shit? It's like I'm gonna have other hobbies and you know, if taking care of myself or powerlifting or whatever is part of that. And that's just, you know, comes with age. And if as everybody we know around us grows up too, that's kind of going to happen with them. So I feel like that's part of it for sure. And then, yeah, it is definitely more mainstream now, at least because of the internet, I'd say. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's funny because even though it is, it is more mainstream, you are the complete opposite of what the trends are. Right. Like when I start following you, I start looking at your Instagram and I'm seeing all this stuff. I'm like, oh, shit. Like he 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 like he fucks with the West Side uh, methodologies, which is not very common anymore. So so tell me a little about that. So when you started getting into powerlifting, did you gravitate immediately towards West Side? And was that like what you started doing right away? Did you go through some other methods and then you found West Side or was it because like your father and like knowing all that kind of stuff? Well, so before the way I was like programming with, with my dad and my uncle was, it was just like linear progression. I mean, the, the main lifts were heavy and like lower rep uh, ranges, but all the accessories were, I mean, mostly like bodybuilding type stuff. So it wasn't until I started learning on my own once I got back into it that I've never seen before like bands and chains and all that so you know looking into it I found kind of like obviously where that came from and what even all that shit does for you when you're you're doing the list and so I'm trying to think of how specifically I found West Side I mean I know my uncle's name dropped out before just all those West Side guys are crazy blah 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 and so I know there was that Amazon Prime documentary West Side versus the World, right? And that kind of just popped up on my thing. I was like, "Oh, okay, that's interesting." And I kind of, from there, it's just like, "Okay, yeah, I definitely want to try this." And then I just saw a bunch of people doing conjugate and getting into gear, and I was like, "Oh, okay, most of these gear guys are doing conjugate." 
So that's kind of how I, you know, pieced it together. Right. So it's kind of like a natural organic uh, transition since you knew gear from seeing your dad and your uncle early on. And so that's what kind of made you gravitate towards that. Yeah. Cause I remember when I told my uncle, I was getting back into it. He was like, Oh, well, do you have a bench shirt? Do you have all this? And I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't have any of that. So I, I, you know, was looking into all the shirts and everything. And of course, Westside came up, Conjugate came up and all that kind of stuff. So, so how, how long is it, how long has it been that you feel like you've been like fully committed into powerlifting then now? It's probably been a year now. Okay. So not that long. It. Not, not very long. Not very long. So, so I, I actually tried to sign up for a meet but it's full. I'm on the wait list. It's like 20 minutes from my house, which is cool. It's in October. So we'll see how that goes. It's a USDA, uh, me. Are, are you going to, are you going to do a gear? Or are you going to do it raw? So they only have single ply. So I'm probably going to do raw. Okay. Yeah. Cause USPA, they don't allow the use of mono. So, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's pretty difficult to, uh, to walk out in a full multiply suit. Yeah. I mean, I, I do it here. Well, I did it, but now I have the little monolith arm, so I don't have to do it anymore. But, yeah, I was, I was doing it. <laughs> that's funny, man. Yeah, it's cool because multiply is something that it, it's funny because that's all there used to be. But now it's like you very rarely see it unless you find those specific federations and you find like those more backyard meets. But things like USPA, WRPF, USAPL, they're all kind of they're all kind of taken over. So. You don't have a whole lot of that. <laughs> Especially not in California, that's for sure. Yeah, Definitely you, not over here. Yeah, USPA is really, really big for you guys over there. Over here, we, we have the APF still pretty prominent here in in, uh, in Florida. There's uh, RPS, which allows multiply. WRPF, it's up to the meat director to run multiply or not. All of mine, I've always just made them just raw, raw with wraps. But, uh, yeah, that's funny, man. So... You've only been back in the lifting for a shorter period of time. So before that, would you say before COVID, it was more focused on just like your work in the band then? Yeah, pretty much just band and work. And yeah, I mean, that was it. Before that, I was just doing like Muay Thai with the guy I used to live with my buddy from from some of my band. Because um, he's actually training to be like a legit Muay Thai fighter. He's over at AKA in San Jose. So me and him used to do a lot of training, just like a little bit of, I guess, weight room stuff just at the apartment, the, the apartment gym that we had. But yeah, nothing, nothing serious, just music and, and work. And then, much. and then fucking COVID hit, huh? Yeah. I mean, I was still working a lot, so that's not, I, I don't, I don't really know what it was. I was just like, I don't know. I just had the itch to do it again and just start getting shit together. And I mean, I was off work for maybe two weeks. So it's not like I sat around that long to be like, Oh, I need to go work out. I don't know. It just kind of came back. Hell yeah. So tell, tell me more about, about Gulch. When, when did you guys start? Cause like I said, I just heard your guys name for the first time not long ago. And I know that's because I'm way behind on the times, but you guys are more relative of a, of a newer band over just the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I always screw this up. I don't remember exactly when we started. I'm thinking like 17 or 18. Okay. That hasn't been very long. So yeah. Did you play in bands before that? Or is this like your first, uh, your first bigger band? Yeah. I've been, we've been playing in bands 
me and the the guitar player since 2009. But I mean, we were just doing stuff locally. I mean, we never really had a big focus on doing shit outside of like California, I guess. But Gulf just kind of caught on randomly. I mean, our original plan with Gulf was just play a couple shows and do like a demo and just I don't know pretty much just have fun with it and then I don't know caught on and got asked to do hardcore and all that and it just a couple tours and yeah but I wasn't expecting all that I don't think any of us were that's six, yeah, because I've seen some of that footage from a, a couple years back of This Is Hardcore. So it's like you guys released like a demo and just overnight it just started blowing up, huh? Because you guys have, from what I've seen, um, very much like a cult following and like you guys have like that, that again, from just kind of what I've seen in red, like that supreme style, like you guys release something and boom, the, the, all the, the vinyls blow out, all the shirts blow out, and people just go crazy over your shit. Was that like from day one, pretty much, or did it like it kind of snowball into that, or how did that look? So, I mean, we always had support from like the homies, and and locally when we first started, the demo did really well. I mean, just because at that point, I mean, we already kind of knew a lot of people just from being in other bands and and touring. I used to play in Hands of God and some other bands that you know we'd get out, we'd meet people, and then anytime we'd put stuff out, it's like okay people on the East coast heard about it and blah, blah, blah. So it circulated pretty quick. And I, I think it was after we put out the first record and then the two song promo after that is really when like the whole, this is hardcore thing was going on. And it just kind of snowballed from there with all the live videos and everything. But I mean, the merch, the merch thing to me is crazy. I don't understand any of that shit. Cause I don't really buy merch i don't care for it it's not like there's something i'm trying to get that bad where i'll sit up and set an alarm for it but people do it and it's crazy i, I don't know why it well, makes no sense to me it's funny because i mean that's a lot of what i do is merchandising and from like my experience going to shows you know 10 15 years ago it's like, yeah, sure, there'd be that shirt that you'd want to pick up from the band that you'd see on tour, but because there wasn't things like Instagram and social media as prominent and, you know, bands would sell their merch online, but it was more like you got it on tour, right? When the band was on tour, yeah. one of your homies picked it up for you. And, like, towards, I feel like, 2012, 2013, 2014, that's when I really started noticing, like, Facebook was getting more and more used and, like, all these kids started making, like, these Facebook groups where they would, like, buy and resell merch, right? And they would be selling, yeah. like, reselling fucking band shirts from the 90s for literally, like, 120, 150 bucks. And I saw that and I was just like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, what the hell? Like, like, I just didn't get it. And then I would have, like, you know, some random band tour shirt that I had gotten from a couple years back, a fucking TUI shirt or something like that, that I see these kids flipping. And I'm just like, hold on, let me go put it on there see if I get 50 bucks. And I did. I'm like, this is fucking nuts. This is ridiculous. And that was, like, you know, again, like 2014, 2015, when I kind of stopped going to shows. And I didn't, I, I, I never, I, since I saw it in the fitness industry to an extent and being you know understanding brands like supreme and the resale and brands like that i could see how it has a translation over to to power uh, to to uh, hardcore but uh 
Yeah, that's just that's just crazy because the one of the first times I looked you up, well, your your guys' band, I was like reading stuff like that, and I'm like, man, I didn't, I never realized that it had that effect into now current bands because like back then it was just like, oh, I want this band shirt from the '90s or whatever, and it looks like it's been washed a hundred fucking times. Now it's like you guys literally just <laughs> put up those fucking you know a shirt that costs you guys just a couple bucks to make. You guys flip a profit on them, and the next thing you know, these kids are fucking paying sixty, seventy bucks for them. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because we would only do shirts at shows. And so I think the big one we did was we did that hoodie with this, like, San Rio character on it. It's like a Hello Kitty thing. Some because. Why not? It'd be funny. You know, it's all cartoony with our logos, like, purple and pink and shit. Right. She's like, all right, cool. Yeah, so we gave her one, and then we posted a picture of it right before we went to FYA in Florida, and then it just blew up. People were freaking out, and we only made like 30 of them. We're like, nobody wants this. Like, right. And then we show up, and like five girls pulled up at the airport right as we get off the thing and, and pull the bags off the like, I don't, I don't know what the hell it's called. Um, but yeah, we're still in the airport. And these girls come up to us and like, oh, can we buy the hoodie from you? I was like, I, you know, I couldn't believe it. They actually came to the airport, waited for us to get out of there. And then while we were at the the fest, it was like a line immediately. The second we put stuff on the table, and we were they were just gone. So then we started putting, okay, let's put it on it online. I feel bad, you know. I don't want to be that band where it's like, oh, here's 20 shirts, get it if you can. Like, you know, if people want the stuff, we're gonna put it out there. So we made like a shitload more. We did, like, pre-orders, all that. That way, you know, no one's, like, reselling it. Right. But, I mean, still, somehow people missed it, and or they they still want it. And <laughs> there's a few people out there who will sell it for a ridiculous price. I mean, someone tried to sell one of our lyric posters that we made. They're little, tiny little pieces of paper for, like, 100 bucks. They offered one of the homies 100 bucks for it. They're like, <laughs> no, it's a piece of paper. That's what so the hell do you want funny, that for? Man. Like I'm I'm gonna hold on to it. Like it's crazy. That's so funny. Yeah, it's funny how that, how that world works. It's like mer- merchandising and like that that kind of the streetwear. I could see how it has like that transference into into the hardcore scene and like this the kids like when you have such a cult following like that, like people will buy into whatever you do because it's like as ridiculous as that design is. I feel like a lot of people were, were they were buying into the into the band. They were obsessed with your band. So it's like you could have put freaking anything on that shirt and people were gonna be like, holy fuck, look what they did. That that's so fucking epic, you know? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably what it is. So I'll, I'll take that. It's fine with me. <laughs> are, are, are you guys still doing merch releases? Because I, I, I've looked online, and, like, when, when you and I first talked, I want to say it was probably, like, eight or nine months ago. Around then is when I first heard heard Gulch. Um I looked online and that's because I wanted to buy a shirt. I'm like, man, I fuck with this band. Like, I'll wear something. And I start reading all this shit. I'm like, I'll oh, get the fuck out of here. I'm never gonna find a fucking shirt. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna do this. <laughs> I think. I think the record label Closed Casket still has shirts up, um, but he does those himself. So our guitar player actually runs his own print shop, and he's the one who prints our merch. So it's like, depending on how much he wants to do, he'll do it. Okay, you sick. Because he doesn't want to do a million shirts or whatever. He's just like, I'm only going to do this much. Like, that's all I want to do. 
or I don't want to do a pre-order because then I got to make a shitload of them. So like, he'll just, you know, do whatever he wants with it, but, you know, fine with me because we don't have to deal with any middleman. But yeah, we never have stuff online because we just don't want to deal with it. We don't want to sell it. We don't want to ship it. It's just, it's a pain in the ass. Like I'd rather do it in person. That's so fucking funny to me though, because he runs a print shop. Why not? Because he's just too busy actually printing to deal with the online shit, and I'm and I'm too stupid to deal with that. Last time <laughs> I was in charge of sh- shipping anything, I didn't send this guy a shirt for like a year. I mean, he was cool about it, but that was like years and years and years ago. That's funny, man. Yeah, because I mean that that's what I do is you know I have my 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 apparel brand, I have Ghost Apparel brand, but I also have my own whole print shop as well. I don't I don't advertise that to the public because that exact same reason. I I print for a couple homies gyms and a couple like fitness companies, but I've never like I thought about like should I make an Instagram and start opening up to people, but it like gets overwhelming as hell. Like screen printing, it's a it's time frames and stuff are so unpredictable and then it's like I want to put my brands first and printing for my brands because it just makes your margins that much better because if I sell to you know Inzer I print 100 shirts and I sell them 100 shirts you know I'm going to charge them eight or nine bucks for it then they're going to resell it but if I print 100 shirts for me it only costs me a couple bucks and I sell them for 30 it's just it's it's a no brainer, you know. But it is it is a lot because exactly. there's there's a lot more steps like that. Because now it's like you're not just communicating with a person who's buying it; you're communicating with a hundred people who are buying it. Yeah, and that's the problem. Nobody wants to deal with it. And I mean, honestly, I'm an old head in the sense of I'd rather it all be in person. Like I don't like doing live streams. I don't like any of that shit. I'm not going to watch a band live video of them playing to nobody. Right. I'm not going to like. That was so weird to me, huh? Online. Yeah, I, I don't like any of that. So I'd rather just be like, if you want something, come find us in person, see us at the show type of shit. Because that's just, I don't know, that's how I feel it should be. For sure. Well, it's funny because you it's funny that you say old head, but it's like, that is just, this is such a new modern thing that just came up, came about over the last year because of COVID and how things are. And when I saw bands doing that, like I wanted to give it a shot. I think I tried watching like one from some random band and I'm just like, dude, no, like I can't just watch you practice in your garage, essentially what you're doing. And you try to put on performance like you're in a show. Like how can you try to create, replicate that energy when you don't have the energy of a hundred, 200 people in a room with you, right? Exactly. I mean, there's been times where we played like shit, but it felt like the coolest set because it's just fun. Exactly. It's that live experience. And it's like, you can't get, I mean, I don't know. You can't get that from watching it on your fucking computer. At least that's how I feel about it. I've watched live sets. I'm like, okay, this is cool to see shit you've missed. If like you're on stage, like to go back and watch the video. Then after that, it's like, I'm going to watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> then, you know, one and done. Yeah, exactly. But more than anything, just during COVID, like the bands who were recording full sets and then charging people to watch like their set. I was like, man, that's that's fucking that's fucking nuts to me. And I know I know there were quite a few hardcore bands doing it too. It wasn't just big mainstream bands. And I was like, hey, I mean, if, if people are gonna buy into it and people are gonna want it, like you know, all the power to you. But uh, it just it's just a weird way to kind of almost treat it as a business, right? The hardcore scene. Yeah, I mean, teams are on, but. Definitely not my thing, and that's why we didn't do any of that. And I mean, we got hit up for it, you know, by the homie who does the thing down in LA. So that's cool. But it's like, at the same time, it's just not what we want to do. So, thanks, we're good, kind of things. 
So have you guys like still been writing music during COVID? Your guitar playing, your drummer. Like, what's 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 going on with all that? I think we started writing like one song, but I mean we're not really in a rush because we did the record and then we did the split with Tsunami recently. So it's like, I mean, we're just taking our time. It's Plus, tr- we didn't even get to play the new record yet, so uh, it's, it's kind of like why do more music that we can't even play? That's very very true. Yeah, you guys are such a newer band but like because you guys have released so much it's felt like a lot longer and i feel like covid has stopped time and or extended time almost in a lot of ways where it's like it makes you feel like your band's been around a lot longer but i was like fuck you had over a year of so many missed opportunities right yeah we had a lot of stuff planned and then it just fell short i mean we're supposed to go to damage city in dc we had like Thrasher Deathmatch in Texas and then another one-off Texas show while we were out there. Um, what else? I know we had a bunch of, I mean, Sound of Fury, a bunch of shit lined up. Um, but I mean, it's all coming back. We have stuff planned and can't say what yet, but I mean, we'll definitely be out and about everywhere again soon, East Coast and and all that. So what, what? It, 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 it did kind of stop everything, but it's not like it, set us back or anything really i guess right what what's the longest amount of time that you've uh that you guys have spent as a band on the road because i know you said it was a lot of just like kind of one-offs and stuff like that i think 10 days that's pretty short maybe a little more yeah i we we do not have the time to do long runs i mean that's always been our thing is like we'll go do one-offs and maybe like a week or so, but anything more than that, it's just not going to happen. Cole, the guitar player, has two kids and the business. I work full time, and just it's not really smart for me to be taking a bunch of time off just because bills and all that. And then, I mean, Sammy is Sammy and Dirt play in Drain as well, so they're constantly touring and, and all that. So it's just not really what we plan for. So we'll just take it as we get it, and do short little things here and there. I think that's I think it's a it's a cool different approach. Again, I I don't know about now the hardcore scene, but back you know a couple years back, it's like if you had a favorite band, the chances are you're going to see them eventually because they were touring. And I feel like it was because they were possibly younger then, or if there was I, I don't know what to relate that to, but maybe since you guys are are a little bit older, but I feel like that gives you guys like a sense of more mystery in the sense where it's like, man, I'm going to have to travel to see this band, or I'm going to have to pray that maybe in the next two years I'll be able to see them. You know, I, th- I think that's, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, I mean, not really why we did it, but I do like that aspect of it. Cause it's like here in California, we get shows so fucking often. It's like, there would be times where I'd be like, I'll, I'll see those bands next time. And right. not even a month later here, they here they come again. And so for me, I was like, damn, really? They're playing here again. I'm good. Like, you know, I'll wait this one out. But if bands don't come here very often, it's like, yeah, when it's time to go, it's time to go. Like, everyone's going to want to show up and all that. So yeah, it'd be 10 times more epic for sure. Yeah. That's cool, man. So you said that you're going to have, you're going to, you plan on doing a meet this year then? Yeah. I'm looking into it. It's just, fuck man, over here it's dry. I mean, there was a USA PL one, like an hour from where I'm at, but yeah, I didn't know about until the week before. (laughs) I'm still going to show up to the other one just just to watch and, see what happens if I don't actually get on while I'm on the wait list, but you're, you're in uh, another one. 
So you said you're near San Francisco? I'm, I'm in San Francisco, yeah. I used to live in San Jose, like in, almost an hour south. How far is San Francisco to Las Vegas? What is it, like 10 hours? Oh, shit, that's far as hell. I think it's like 10 hours. Uh, yeah, because I was going to say one of my buddies runs meet, meets out in Las Vegas, WRPF meets. Yeah, you just you just got to look for like some of those mono federations because I feel like a lot of those mono federations, even if they don't necessarily have multiply as an option, if you contact the meet director, like they would let you. But uh, that's cool, man. I, I I feel like your your Instagram, you're a super mysterious guy. When I've told people that I've connected with you, like younger kids in the hardcore scene, they're like, "What? Like I've tried looking for his Instagram. Like, yo, he's a mystery." He stays. He stays anonymous. <laughs> you don't know who he is, man. You know, <laughs> and I, th- I think that I think that's cool, man. I think that's cool that you stay low key like that. But um, I know you. I, I see some of your lifting sometimes on your stories and shit like that. And uh, I'm I'm excited to see what what you do and how you continue to progress. I'm I'm stoked, man. It's, it's I'm patient, but I'm getting to that point where I'm like, damn, dude, I just want to like actually test it out here because I mean, I did the numbers went up pretty high pretty quick and then you know i know how that goes the, the newbie games are are pretty fast but it, it's still moving pretty good and i feel good and i just want to keep that momentum going while i can and you know get get in uh get in the game quick and start going after it because i don't want to slow down anytime soon get too busy with music and then be like fuck oh, dude my training's taking a hold or some you know some bullshit like that so now for sure time. i want to get on it for sure. It's funny because, like I said, I looked at some old videos of you guys, and I'm like, oh, you know, this guy looks athletic. And then I saw you now, and I'm like, oh, shit, fuck yeah, he's powerlifting now. Like, he's getting in shape. So I bet, like, the more shows you guys play, people are going to be like, whoa, dude. Like, what are you doing, man? That's crazy. And you show up in your Inzer hoodie. <laughs> it's funny, man. I, I get comments on it now all the time. Like, I'll look at videos and in the comments, like, damn, this dude really was lifting during quarantine. Or, damn, this dude got big. And I'm like, I mean, I, I don't see it all the time, but I definitely did gain over 30 pounds since I started. So I'll take that. Dude. It's helping. I mean, it's, it's, it's got to help my bench for sure. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. Yeah. No, dude, just, just, just stick with it. It keeps coming, man. And you're just going to keep falling more and more in love with it. It's funny. Cause I, I, I would never have guessed that you've been at it for, you know, as little of time consistently as you have. Um, and I'm excited to see where you go in the next year or two, man. Thanks, man. Thanks. I'm I'm trying. I'm I'm a quick learner. I'm trying to absorb everything as much as I can. I mean, when I get into something, I just go head first. So it's like once the powerlifting shit started, it was like every night videos, you know, just sitting in here in the garage, just looking at shit, just looking at the rack, just, I don't know, being impatient, wanting to hit it again and just being obsessed with it. So that's kind of how I did. So it's probably why it seems like I've done a lot more in a year than, than normal. For sure. dove into it yeah I, I miss that i miss having that fire underneath my ass it, it comes to that point when you've been doing it for so damn long and when it's your career it just becomes like it's just a necessity and it's just kind of like a part of your day you know and i hate saying it like that but it, it yeah. I, I love i love getting to see dudes like you and my athletes and so many people that i coach and like seeing that fire and uh yeah man it's cool cherish it Cherish it. That's my 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 elder wisdom, my elder powerlifting wisdom. <laughs> oh, I will for sure. I mean, that's why I don't like to make things that I do for fun. Like, I don't want to say too serious or like a career because it'll ruin the fun for me. Like music, that's why I never want to make music like a full-time job 
because it's just not going to be fucking fun for me anymore. And same with, I feel like powerlifting. It's like, that's something on the side that is, is fun that I'll take seriously, but not where it completely takes over everything. Cause then it would just be a chore to me, honestly. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I'm, I'm very much like that in my life to a certain extent, but it's funny cause I get the satisfaction not anymore out of my own lifting. It's been so long since I've gotten that satisfaction and felt that fulfillment. But what I'm able to provide for everyone else and what I'm able to to do in that, because it is my career, it makes me so fucking happy, you know? So I, I wouldn't have it any other way, you know? It is what it is. I, st- I still enjoy an occasional bench press, but, uh, you know? There you go. <laughs> well, you're doing a lot more than just the lifting. So that, you know, that makes total sense, but. For sure. Yeah. Uh, cool though man that's actually is funny i saw the way i found you was through one of your well, website i was i was digging into that and one of those videos came up and i saw you were wearing a black metal shirt and i was like oh what the fuck like that's yeah. how i ended up following you and finding out about all that so it's funny it's, yeah it's random we trained at west side like two years ago and i wore an inquisition shirt and i didn't even know we were gonna do a youtube video and that was like 90% of the YouTube comments were just about that, like either questioning what it was or people like, oh, shit, holy shit, it's Inquisition. Or then the later comments, all the controversy with them and all the fucking bullshit. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I don't give a I fuck. I fuck with their music, man. I fuck with that shit. What do you want me to tell you? But It's, it's, it's hard, too, if you're not, like, big on the internet looking up all this shit because it's like you would never know if you're not on social media, like, that that band had shit going on with them. You know what I mean? It's like right. you have to find that out from somebody else who stopped you on the street. It, that's literally, I think, how it happened because I think there's been controversy with him for a really long time, but then even more came out. And like with one of their newer albums, I posted it. And I think that's when I posted one of their newer albums. I had like three or four people DM me with like news articles. And I'm like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, way to ruin it. You know, I can't, I can't enjoy this music. Like, come on. <laughs> it's funny, man. Well,. I don't want to keep you too long. It's funny. We've been recording this episode. All the episodes that I do, I always do over Zoom uh, just because I like to have a face-to-face conversation. Uh, for all you listeners, I'm just letting you guys know. And Elliot's been uh, just hanging out in his garage ready to get a fucking sick lift in today. And uh, I appreciate yeah. you hopping on, taking some time to talk, man. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you want to plug anything. I know you're a mysterious guy, so you probably don't want to tell the world your Instagram. <laughs> Uh, maybe not. Yeah, I love it. Only, only because, only because I only accept people with if I have mutuals, and a lot of people who have been following me are private accounts with no mutuals, and I'm like, I don't know who they are, you, and I get, I, I don't know, I'm just weird like that. So I'm like, eh, no, but maybe not. But it makes sense. Like I, I, I totally get that. Because also, how are they going to even know who the hell you are? Because you don't even have your name on the Instagram, and it's not even your own profile picture, right? Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, you, exactly. It's just. I don't have Gulch in there anywhere. So, I mean, if, if people find out it's through, I don't know, somebody else or some shit or so, like a tag photo probably. So how can people find out what's going on next with Gulch? Do you guys have a social media website, anything like that? We do not. Um, so Printhead, it's literally, that's the, the Instagram account is Printhead. Um, that's our guitar player, Cole. He prints all the merch. He posts all the flyers and all that stuff. And he's, the one who deals with the bulk of the band stuff. So you can find all that info through him and, and, uh, yeah, pretty much him and the other guys in the band. I don't know their Instagrams off the top of my head, but yeah, print heads, the, the company as well. That's why it's 
his Instagram thing, just like that. Sick. Well, I'll be keeping an eye for when you guys go back on the road or start playing shows and fests and stuff again. If it's within 20 minutes of where I live, if it's somewhere in Miami, I'll come see it. If I got to travel for it, I'm too old for that shit. But all <laughs> everyone else listening, if Gulch comes to your city and to your fucking town, go fucking see them. Mosh for me. Fucking crowd kill someone and have a good time. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, dude, I appreciate talking, man. Enjoy your workout, and uh, I hope that we get to meet someday soon. Yeah, man. Uh, we'll actually be in Florida in January for uh, FYA again. I think it's in not Tampa. It's in Tampa. It every, Tampa. Every year it's been in Tampa. Yeah, it's always been in Tampa. Okay. I went once. I think I went like the first year, like in 2014, 2015, something like that. Okay. How far is that from you? Ugh, four hours. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm, I won't make yeah, any promises. Who knows? You you never know. Hey, if this new band, I'm, I start writing this album, who knows if we'll start playing shows again. And I'm really good friends with John, the owner of American Barbell Club, and he puts on the pre-show every year. So who knows? Maybe I'll force myself onto that if I actually have a band by then. Or maybe I'll go. I'll try to make a point of it. All right? I'm saying it here. I'll try to make a point to go to FYA. All right, cool, yeah. All right. Cool, man. (laughs) Nice talking to you, man. Have a great day. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Take it easy.